All right, guys, how's it going today? So we switched things up a little bit from the past. Usually Cohen does the intro, but I'm doing it today. Welcome to episode four of the Association Podcast. Uh, today is Friday, December 14th. Me and Cohen did a little uh, podcast for my uh, hot takes last night. I'm Thomas Penland, as y'all y'all know, joined by the man whose uh, dad loves him more than LeVar Ball, loves his kids. This is Cohen Hughes. Cohen, say what's up to the people. People, what's up? How's it going? Um, the other night, me and Cohen were at a local bar in Kennesaw, and he was saying that about how that LeVar Ball loves his kids more than anybody and how oh, he's the best number one dad, dad in the world. He is the best dad in the world. I know my dad doesn't believe in me that much. Like I, I wish somehow somebody had that much confidence in me, the way LeVar Ball fucking hypes up his kids. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, Cohen, I got that much confidence in you, man. Goddamn, Pinlin, thank you. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Hey, we figured we'd start today's podcast out on a little lighter note, you know, a little happier note than usual. But, I mean, we got to get down to the meat here. I think the most pressing topic, in my opinion, right now in the NBA is the Raptors. I mean, they had a huge road win against Golden State. I think Golden State at home with with this squad that they have has only been held under 100 points, like, less than five times. I mean, that was absolutely crazy to see them go in there. And they were missing Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. And they're missing their best player, and Valanciunas got hurt in like the first half. So they're pretty much playing down two starters the entire game, and one of them being their best player. I mean, do you think this Raptors team is a team once we get to the playoffs that teams should fear? Um, they're a team they should fear in the regular season, not in the playoffs. Like me and you have talked about many times before, they're just not built for the playoffs. They are uh, very dependent on star performances, and when the rubber meets the road. When they depend on that in the playoffs, it um, it's went flat in the past, and it can still continue to go flat. I agree with you completely. I mean, like I've said on our, on the podcast we recorded yesterday, we've all seen Kyle Lowry in the gym trying to get those shots up that he keeps on missing in the playoffs. Like, we've seen this Raptors team struggle night in, night out. I mean, it's not just DeRozan who struggles. It's the whole team struggles in the playoffs. I mean, Valanciunas was missing. I remember in that game one against Cleveland, I was like, all right, this is the Raptors' time, man. Like, they're going to give the Cavs troubles here. The Cavs don't want any of this with Toronto. But, no, Valanciunas is missing point-blank layups. DeRozan gets benched. Kyle Lowry was okay at best. I mean, Kyle Lowry this season against 10 teams with less than 10 losses – He's averaging 8.5 points per game and 27. He's shooting 27% against them. Obviously, he had a better performance against Golden, against Golden State. He leads the league right now in assists per game at 10 per game. But, I mean, that's one out of pretty much two out of the eight teams that he – or out of the eight games he's played against these kind of teams. He's had a decent Kyle – he's had a, a regular Kyle Lowry performance. I can't believe in you if your second-best player chokes like that in the playoffs. I mean, Pascal uh, Sockham and uh, – OG Ananobi, I mean, guys like that who are key players for them, Valanciunas, all them in the playoffs. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet. I mean, I don't believe in any of those guys in the playoffs. So, to me, the Raptors, I got, I personally, I think the Raptors are the fourth best playoff team in the East. What, I mean, who do you you see being better than them in the East in the playoffs? Um, The Celtics, they're built for more um, long-term success. Um... Celtics are on fire right now, too. They play the Hawks tonight. Yeah, maybe for their eighth straight win, isn't that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's easy. That's easy game. I mean, it's a 12-point spread, so I don't know if I'd touch that. But, I mean, the Celtics got it fine. They got, I think, Horford's out tonight. And I think uh, Gordon Hayward's out. And I think Yavaselli is out as well. Yeah, um, I don't know. Even, like, teams like the 76ers, like, they've played in the playoffs with this 
coherent group before. I just don't. I, I, I just cannot, cannot, cannot buy the Raptors as a lasting playoff team. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, the 76ers, that was Embiid's first trip to the playoffs. That was Ben Simmons' first trip to the playoffs. Who were two of their key guys. I still can't buy that big into Ben Simmons until he gets a jump shot. I mean, he hasn't attempted a three-point field goal yet this season. Until he starts attempting threes, you really can't buy, him to, buy into him that much. But picking up Jimmy Butler is a huge game-changer. Jimmy Butler clearly has playoff uh, experience. experience. I mean, Jimmy, but Jimmy Butler's a beast, man. I mean, he's a junkyard dog. He beat the whole Wizards or uh, Timberwolves starting five with role players. So, I mean, Jimmy Butler has Yeah, he's the alpha mentality. I mean, he truly, like, you know what? Like, my big argument against Kawhi Leonard is he doesn't have the alpha mentality. You don't see Westbrook sitting out for rest. You don't see James Harden sitting out for rest. You don't see LeBron sitting out for rest. You don't see Chris Paul sitting out for rest. They'll sit out because they're injured. They don't sit out because they want to rest. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the softest thing in the league. And it's terrible for the fans, too. And the league's all about the fans. We're the ones who pay. We're the reason why these players get the contracts they get where we're the, we put the butts in the seats. We're the ones who make the money for these teams. So, I mean, I mean, we're the ones who spend the money on these teams. I hate it for the league. And I just think he has the beta mentality. And I think all in all, the Raptors are going to get bounced in the second round, whether they play the Bucks, Sixers or Celtics. Hell, you could even add the Bucks in that category teams. I think would, would beat the Raptors in a playoff series. Yeah, the Bucks are the first team I said. Yeah, I really like the Bucks, honestly. Coach Bud's done it before getting to the conference finals. That, He's got that a better. That was the one of the best moves of the offseason, bringing in <clears> Coach Bud. Even when he was with the Hogs, I, I maintain that Coach Bud's probably a top five coach in this league. Um, any team that he would have went to would have became instantaneously better. Yeah, and I mean, even that Hawks team, I still, I still, still stand by the statement to this day. Damari Carroll doesn't get hurt in that series against the Raptors. And then if it, I mean, not against the Raptors, against the Wizards in the second round of the playoffs. And if Kyle Korver didn't get hurt, I mean, you look at game one, Kyra, Kevin Love hurt his shoulder on that, on that Olenek play. So Kevin Love's done. The Cavs don't have Kevin Love. Then you go look at Kyrie Irving. He's got the knee injury. He doesn't even play in game four. So, I mean, the Cavs are pretty much miss, or I think he didn't play in game three. So the Cavs are pretty much down two two out of their big three. And I don't. J.R. Smith scores 37 points in the first game. We lose. Second game, Corver gets hurt. We get blown out. Third game, we're winning the whole game. The Deladova dives at Horford's knees. Horford body slams him, gets ejected from the game. I'll still swing on Deladova to this day for that play. But uh, all in all, I mean, I think the, yeah, the Hawks got swept. But I mean, I really feel like if we're at full strength, because you know, Demari Carroll is going to be the guy trying to d up LeBron. I mean, LeBron was 0 for 10 in the first half against the Hawks. I think Coach Bud would have easily. Outcoached was Blatt still the head coach then, or they fired him for Lou? It was, it was Lou at that point. Yeah, that's right. It was Lou at that point. So I mean, I think the <laughs> Hawks. I personally think the Hawks could have won that series. I might also be a little biased to that, but I think we at least could have taken him to six or seven. I mean, he took a Hawks team that any other coach probably would have gotten the six or seven spot with and won six yeah. over sixty games with them. Mm-hmm. So. I think Coach Bud's one of the best coaches in basketball. Putting him and Giannis together is unbelievable. I still think – I think next year is the Bucks' year. I think Chris Middleton comes back. It's a max contract. I think he makes the all-star team this year. I also think that they could – I think they bring in another shooter and let Bledsoe go. I think if you let Giannis play point guard, since we all know he's not a great shooter, but he shoots like 76% inside the paint. So you let – and he gets assists. I mean, Giannis, assist-wise, he can dish the rock out, you know. So I think that those two things together – 
are uh, big are very big things for the Bucks. I think Giannis could do a great job running point guard for this team. I mean, I think he's good at everything, and that's just my personal opinion. I mean, he averages 13.1 rebounds per game right now, six assists. I, mean, I think if you put Giannis at point guard, he could average a triple-double like Westbrook did. I mean, a legit triple-double, not his teammates letting him get rebounds and stuff, like a triple-double. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Yeah, and, and that's how you get the most out of your star players in this league. Mm-hmm. Make them play point guard where they touch the ball the most. It's yeah, and way, I mean, it's just the way that you juice out every bit of talent that you have from him, and you give him the free form ability to play a version of his game to where he gets a majority of the touches. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely on that. I think if you let Giannis run the point guard, that it'd make the Bucks a lot better. I've been preaching that ever since I started podcasting last year that I felt like they should dump Bledsoe and do that. I mean, Bledsoe's still averaging sixteen a game. He's averaging 5.8 assists. I mean, he's still doing a decent job with the team, but overall, I mean, Bledsoe's not a great outside shooter, and no, that's what all. I think they're lacking he is one more spot up shooter. He doesn't do anything on the perimeter well. Mm-hmm. Brogdon, though, has gotten better this season at spot up shooting. I will say that for the Bucks. I really like the way Brogdon's been shooting the ball lately, and I think that's made this team a lot better the way he's been shooting the ball. Like, um, let's look at his. I'm about to compare his three point percentages just to make sure I got the right stat here. So this season, Brogdon from the three point is shooting 46.7 percent. He shot 38.5 last year and 4.4. His three pointers made per game is up as well. I mean, Brogdon's shooting. He's also shooting uh, 50s over 50 percent from the field. So I mean, Brogdon's playing a lot better as well. A guy who run Rookie of the Year's first year, averaging 15.3 points per game. I really think Malcolm Brogdon is the kind of guy who can help take this Bucks team to the next level, who can help take the Bucks team to the next level. But at the same time, I think they got to get rid of Bledsoe and get that extra shooter. Well, I was saying that we, we were talking last week about someone who ran a ball-stopping offense. And that's kind of what I see with Bledsoe. Is I, we need to have him ramp up that 5.8 assist to anywhere to the 8 to 12 neighborhood. That's how ball the offense is moving in the NBA. Um, yeah, this is just the offenses that happen now that that are so care, carefully meticulated and put together so carefully. You need that free flowing element so your best players can have the ball in their hand and your your point guard doesn't inhibit process, uh, progress on that. That's a big reason why they got rid of Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker is top five in the league right now. And like kind of, and having the ball stop and trying to go ISO, mm-hmm. which is a big reason why I saw today, the bulls are trying to trade him. I also think the bulls are trying to tank it out. They finally got all their young guys back. I think they've seen that Jabari Parker is not really going to be a piece. They want to move forward with. I mean, I feel bad for Jabari Parker. He tore his ACL twice and it's kind of really just destroyed his career in the NBA. Cause I mean, he's a guy who showed he can, and he's a, I mean, he's a really good stretch player in the new league. Is he's a he's six eight, so I mean, he can kind of play that power forward for you, but at the same time, he can also play the small forward too, which I think is really really valuable mm-hmm. in the current NBA. But I mean, his minutes have diminished. He only played four minutes last night. He played nineteen the night before that as well. I mean, you see his minutes keep plummeting game by game by game, and it's it 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 sucks for a guy like Jabari Parker. He's a guy that I really liked in this league and that. I really thought had a lot of potential, but I just think these injuries have been what's going to destroy his career. Um, the best case scenario for him is to kind of work on his game until the end of this year. Next year, go out and try to get a fresh start with a team who really needs some sort of offensive piece. And ho- and hopefully you catch on with a team like the Magic, the Suns, some team that needs a, 
a new offensive look. Maybe the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, he's only on that one-year $20 million deal, so it's not even a big deal even if they were to get rid of him to another team. So they really don't even have much tied up here in Jabari Parker. I think, yeah, he's got a player option next year. I doubt that'll get picked up. And, and, so, the, I mean, and, and the Bulls definitely are not good for his even headspace. All the drama that's going on over there, he really needs to get out and find a new fresh start. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I mean, also have Lauren marketing now who's back from being injured. So, I mean, I feel like him and marketing both play the exact same position. So not a really good spot for him. I don't think he fits though with the magic. Like you said a minute ago, I think him and Aaron Gordon, honestly, are kind of the exact same player. I think a team like the Mavericks should take a chance on him and put him at power forward. I think he could fit decently with a team like that. Uh, other than that, I mean, I feel like he fits He fits mostly with tanking teams or teams that are young and trying to come up, you know what I mean, and you're yeah. willing to give him a shot because, I mean, if Jabari Parker can tap into his potential and get back to where he averaged 20 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, I really think he could be really good, but his iso play of ball and ball stopping is not what you want for a young team like the Bulls. Nope. Um, one Another thing I want to talk about here is the Raptors are 6-1 and one this season without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. Do you think Kawhi Leonard is the top five player in the NBA? Um, I think in terms of ability, yeah, he probably is. But now it doesn't seem that way because the Raptors have shown that they can get by without him and not just get by go 6-1, and one, which is a percentage. Or 7-1, 7-1. Seven and one, seven seven and one. I one. forgot. Yeah. Better than average. Um. The Spurs seemed like they were really hurting with him off the floor. But, but I mean, they still made the playoffs last year. Yeah. They're way outside of it this year. I think yeah. that DeRozan, though, is also a huge cancer. He's another one of those ball-stopping guys. Oh, I mean, he had dude. a negative plus-minus the last two years. He prefers the two when the NBA is mm-hmm. going, going towards the three. So, I mean, it's just stubbornness and not improving your range to adapt to the new game. I also think DeRozan's game, though, is kind of fit better in the older style of play, and he's just kind of left out at this point in the new style of play where he doesn't really fit anymore. So, okay, and that's the thing about the league now, man. You'd be like, you see these players like Chris Paul. Chris Paul got so much better at shooting the three-point ball. Um, I mean, Russell Westbrook's gotten better. As, I mean, so many guys have just gotten better year in and year out at shooting that three-point ball. You DeRozan's don't even have to be, like, great. Just be respectable and make guys respect your range to where if you're standing out there, they they don't just go double somebody else. Yeah, if you can hit four spacing, out of ten. Space, spacing really is all it is. Like, you don't have to be a great three-point shooter. Just make them respect you. Yeah, if you can uh, if you can hit, like, four out of ten three-pointers or so, and you can make them run out on you and respect your three-point shot, then I would probably – you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I'd probably say that's solid. Like, that's what you got to do in this NBA nowadays. Even 35%. Just make them respect you. Make them need to run out to chase you off the line when you do go out there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You got to chase him off the line. You got to – like, even with big men, too. If a big man like Brooke Lopez, for example, he knocks down that three ball, you pull the center out from underneath the basket. I mean, that's huge, too, for spacing yep. and just all kinds of stuff. You can pull that center out from the basket. Another big thing, too – is Kawhi Leonard like in his uh his um win per his like uh wins that he's responsible for for his team? He currently ranks twenty eight in the league at three point one one. Kyle Lowry, weirdly enough, is third at five point six four. Wow. 
Yeah, and my other big argument, too, against Kawhi Leonard is he only averages three assists per game. It's not like he makes everyone around him that much better. I mean, he helps a lot on the defensive end, but offensively, you know, he's kind of just like another ISO player. The ball's just kind of sticking when he's got it, rather than when Lowry's got it, he's spreading the floor and getting everybody involved. And Siakam is 13th in win, in win. So I think Kawhi Leonard is being, I think he's getting more credit than he deserves, kind of as DeRozan got when he was mm-hmm. in Toronto. I think it's a lot similar but I mean obviously Kawhi Leonard's a lot more efficient a lot better player than DeRozan's been but on defense mm -hmm, I think he's getting a little bit more than he deserves here Uh, another huge thing I want to talk about here I'm not gonna lie last night was the most fun I have had watching a basketball game in a long time and that was watching a huge win last night yeah I had so much fun watching that game last night the whole time we were podcasting, I was trying not to freak out sitting up there watching it. But luckily, right after we got off, Harden exploded down the stretch. And one thing people have said is he's not clutch. He outscored LeBron 14-3 to in the fourth quarter last night. And the biggest shot of the entire fourth quarter to me was the Lakers cut the, they cut the lead down, take a little time out here. The Rockets go the Rockets go back in the lead by four points, and then Harden gets the ball off a of, off a of Lakers miss, and he gets LeBron on him, and just cooks LeBron, hits the step back, LeBron runs him over, and one hits the free throw. I mean, it was pretty much over there after that. James Harden became the first, or he set the NBA record for the most fifty point triple doubles. I mean, do you think James Harden? gets overlooked here and people just say whatever about what kind of offensive talent he is just because we're that used to him putting up numbers like this? No, I think it's um, – I don't know if you call it jealousy. I don't know if you call it sour sour grapes. Um, he flops a lot. He, he's, he, he gets a lot of credit. Don't get it twisted. I think he is an incredible offensive talent. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I for one, do like to watch him play. I mean, I don't. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who hates on him because he's good at offense. You know, look at Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin he's the Durant, most fun kind of players to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's what brings eyes to the TVs. That's what fills up the stat sheet. That's what. It's just like kids nowadays. Like, like they don't say Kobe anymore. They say Steph Curry. You know, like that. This is not bad for the league, but I think Harden gets a, gets a lot of hate because he flops and. He 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 doesn't play with great gamesmanship like like some of the other great scorers have. I don't think he flops. He just takes advantage of lazy defense. Like you can't when you play James Harden on flops. defense. I know that he flops. No, I don't. I don't think that he flops. I don't consider what he does flopping. I consider what he does outsmarting you. You know what I mean? It's just like Bill Belichick. He outsmarts you in certain ways. It's just like he's one of those. He's more crafty than you. You put your hand on him, and he's gonna run his arm into your hand and get the foul. I mean, it's smart basketball. You know what I mean? If you're gonna touch James Harden and you're gonna play stupid defense, he's gonna expose you and take advantage of your stupid defense. I mean. James Harden is in real plus minus. He is fourth in the NBA right now, which I think is a big stat that people don't realize. He's 72nd in the league in rebounds per game. He is first in the league in points per game. He's fourth in the league in assists per game. I mean, he's doing everything for his team, and he's fifth in the league in steals, so I don't want to hear a damn person say he doesn't play any defense. Look, I can go sit on my computer if I really wanted to waste my day like this and put together a a montage of Kawhi Leonard playing bad defense. I yep. can put together a montage any of Rudy Gobert playing bad any defense. Single, I can, any single player, you could do it. Exactly. And people just want to do it to James Harden because they want to try to find one flaw in his game. They want to find, oh, well, James Harden's not good at defense. I'm like, well, he is fifth in the league in steals per game. Last year, LeBron James was outside of the top 200 in his defensive win share, and James Harden was 33rd. LeBron James is outside of the top 200 players in the league. Yet everyone said, oh, 
LeBron James is MVP over James Harden. I mean, don't get me wrong. What LeBron did with the team he had was amazing. But what Harden did by taking the Rockets to the next level like that, winning over 60 games, I mean, it should blow LeBron out of the water. The stats are almost similar, and he won 16 more games. I mean, people, I feel like, just don't like James Harden solely because of the way he draws these fouls. But, I mean, if you're going to play stupid defense around James Harden, he's going to take advantage of you and expose you. That's your fault. Uh I, I definitely 100% agree as a devil's advocate. You know, like, if the referees are going to call it, why stop doing it? But it's just bad optics in terms of the space that we analyze these games in. Yeah, and the part that pisses me off the most about it, this is the part that pisses me off the most, is I'll watch the Western Conference game finals closer than probably anybody did, and every single play, James Harden in the first half played exactly how he did in the regular season, got the same foul calls. In the second half, somehow they're just not fouls anymore. I mean, people are saying, oh, he's flopping, he's doing this, that. I mean, you got to be consistent with giving him his calls. You know what I mean? If that's LeBron, Steph Curry, they're going to be consistent with giving him the calls. It makes no sense to me, and I want to see more consistency in these referees in the playoffs. 100%. I will, say, see. I, I will say this year the NBA refs have been a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I thought their officiating has been a lot better this year, too, so I can definitely agree with you there on that one. Uh, another big big topic kind of that I want to discuss a little bit here is Luka Doncic. What do you think the ceiling is for this guy so far after what we've seen? I There's no way to tell. We've never had a big European that's as crafty as him that um, is, is as, as mature as him at a young age. Even Dirk, self-admittedly, wasn't this smart and mature in, bas- in terms of basketball IQ at, at this age. People will seem to forget that he wasn't playing college ball last year. He was playing professionals mm-hmm. in the second-best basketball league on earth. Yeah, he's um, playing in the, the second-best league of men in the world. He's playing against guys double his age, you know? Yeah, and, and he was cooking, cooking them. One year mm-hmm. league MVP with like 19, 7, and 5. I think, yeah, and the big. I think he's an incredible talent. I think the ceiling, the sky's the limit for him. Um, I think he's going to be a great player to watch, and I do think the Hawks definitely fucked up on that trade. They had him and then traded him away. Uh, I agree with you in certain parts of that trade, and I disagree with you in certain parts. I've said a countless number of times that I thought Donkic was the best player coming out of the draft. I thought he was miles and miles ahead of DeAndre Ayton or ahead of Marvin Bagley. 100%. I would have taken him ahead of both of them. If I had the number one pick, I was taking Donkic at one. Number two, I was taking Bagley just because I thought he was a little bit more of a surefire prospect than Trey Young. But at yep. number three, I would have taken Trey Young. And number four, I would have taken Ayton. Ayton as well is a little bit more of a surefire player. I just don't think Ayton's going to be more than a 20 and 10 guy. And I don't think he's that great of a defender either. I don't like, I think Ayton will be like, a good player, but I don't think he'll be a superstar. Like, I think his peak player is, like, maybe cracking the top 10 players in the league, but I think he's more of a 11 to 20 kind of guy for his whole career, which is still a damn good career. I mean, that's a Hall I, of Fame I was about to say career. For, especially for him, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's still a Hall of Fame career, but my biggest thing about Donkic is, so I, I did a ton of research about this last draft, as I will start doing here soon about this draft, because, I mean, my team's the Hawks, and we suck. I know I pull for the Rockets, but that's just because I like to have a dog in the fight. I mean, if you're a sports fan and you like the, and your team sucks, I mean, you kind of have to bandwagon a team in the playoffs, you know what I mean? I and Harden's my favorite player to watch. Especially just like situational things. Like, like for, for example, I know this is a basketball podcast, but now that the Falcons are out of the playoffs, I find myself rooting for either the Chargers, the Texans, or, hell, maybe even the Seahawks this year. I'm all in on the Seahawks and Texans. Russell Wilson and Sean are my guys. But I love Bill O'Brien. No, yeah, no, I agree with you on that one completely. But 
Donkic, the thing about him is in the EuroLeague playoffs, every single guy that I kept close tabs on these games, unfortunately, I couldn't watch them just because I would always have work or I would be asleep or have to do something when the games are always there on at weird times. But Donkic was shutting down the opposing players he was playing against and guarding. And every single player that he guarded in all three of their key um, playoff matchup series were a top like 15 to 10 player in the EuroLeague. And he was shutting them down, holding them to like five, six, seven points below their average horrible field goal percentages and teams are throwing box and ones like Luka Doncic is an 18 year old kid 17 year old kid was out there having like spent defenses catering to him where they just yep. wanted to shut him down and he was still balling on them and getting that's buckets a good, that's so. a good simulation for the NBA exactly I, I I am team college basketball is a bad product the Euro League is a better simulation for what the NBA is going to be rather than college basketball Yes and no. I also think moving to an unfamiliar environment like that and all the things that just go into going overseas, I think could be can affect players differently. So I like them staying here in the States a little bit better. Plus, we get to watch them a little bit better. I'm selfish. I want to watch my talent develop and I want to see what my talent's going to look like rather than have them go play over in Europe at weird times. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Luka Doncic is an absolute beast. I mean, the Hawks could have screwed up. I mean, this could be like the equivalence of trading LeBron James away for I mean, it, it could be bad. Like, Trey Young, don't get me wrong. As much as I am a believer in Trey Young right now, he's averaging – he's third in rookies right now in points per game. Yeah, at, I believe at, he, at 15.7 points, he's no slouch, but he's also a volume chucker. And I'm not saying that Trey Young's a bust at this point. I mm-hmm. am, a, am a Hawks hater, 100%. Um, I'm not mad at what the Hawks did from a culture standpoint. They needed to make a splash. I felt like Doncic, culturally and socially, wasn't the big splash that they wanted. But, God, to to have Doncic and pass him up for Trey Young is just so short-sighted to me. Well, also that draft pick could end up being huge and turn into another huge player for us because there's lots of damn good players in this draft. This, but is, on a top loaded, of all, this is a loaded first round this year. Mm-hmm, but on top of that, Young leads rookies and assists at 7.3 per game. I believe that also puts him in the top 15 in the league. He has a 1.84 assist-to-turnover ratio, and Doncic's is 1.26 which is really, really good assist-to-turnover ratio. Trey Young is already a floor general. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well yet. He's a lot smaller than these guys. I think it's kind of like a Steph Curry thing where his body's got to adjust and he's got to get better. But, I mean, he's already a floor general, which is huge. And also, and that these, is, are, these are the fucking best defenders on the face of the earth. Like, the yeah. NBA is notorious for shutting down, like, like, let's say that you go on a run for 10 straight days. Now the mm-hmm. tape's out on you. You're, you're getting shut down. You know, like they're, they're notorious for the most pesky defenders I would say yeah and by the way Trey Young's 10th in the league in assists he's 0.3 behind De'Aaron Fox and Jokic which is weird that Jokic is is number eight in the league in assists but going back to what I was saying about Trey Young uh Trey Young also like every single team going out there watching him in college and stuff when he's a big name player like he is every single person wanted a piece of Trey Young and they take it try to take it to him every single night so the fact that he can hold his own and play like this speaks volumes to me I think in three to four years Trey Young will be a all-star in this league and I think he's going to be a superstar in this league I think the Hawks look we might have we I don't know if we lost this trade or not yet. I got to see what we get with this Mavs pick in order to determine that and see how it performs down well, the road. Take years but to, to, to determine because we'll never yeah. see these guys develop instantly. So, yeah, the jury's still out. But if you put a gun to my head and made me choose right now, the Mavs won the trade. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely worries me, though, that we could have really screwed up our team. Uh, Another thing I wanted to talk about coming here into this podcast is I know we talked about it in the past, the Clippers and Grizzlies. I know you're a big Clippers guy. Lou Williams is out now. The Clippers are 5-5 and over their last 10. They were on a two-game losing streak where they got smacked last night by the Spurs. The Grizzlies are 4-6 and out of their last 10. They went from first place to sixth place in about two weeks. I mean, do you think these two teams are going to last and make the playoffs, or do you think they're going to fizzle out with the rest of the league? Um, The Grizzlies might. I don't know. The Clippers, um, it seems like they're just, like, shockingly ahead of schedule uh, because I follow the Clippers subreddit, and nobody expected this this year. Like, yeah, we knew they had a good team, and they made some low-key good moves in free agency, but – with Doc and these young guys to be this ahead of schedule is crazy. I could definitely see both teams fizzling out, but I could see the Clippers staying around and hanging around for a six, seven, eight seed. I think the Clippers will hang around. I think they're anywhere from a five to eight seed. I think the Grizzlies will fizzle out, though. I mean, you can't tell me you think the Rockets, Pelicans, Jazz, Spurs, and Blazers are all going to miss the playoffs due to the Kings, Mavericks, and Grizzlies. I think that... The Ma- I like the Mavericks and Kings over the Grizzlies personally. I mean, the Grizzlies have gone have gone a lot more to the mean. They've regressed yeah. a lot more to the mean as of lately. I think the Rockets are for sure going to get in here. I mean, even the Timberwolves got a shot. I think Rockets get in and the Pelicans get in. I said before the season started, I thought the Blazers and Spurs would miss the playoffs. I also think the Jazz will get in, and I still stand by that. I don't think the Mavs, Grizzlies, or Kings will end up making the playoffs. I think they'll all be close, but they'll get left out here. The Mavs would be the closest team to, to, to hold on, I think. Ooh, see, I think the Kings could. I think Marvin Bagley, after the All-Star break, is going to take off and play a lot better. Buddy Heald has stepped his game up a lot. De'Aaron Fox, I mean, he's playing like an All-Star right now. I don't know if he'll make the All-Star team just because he plays in the Western Conference. But you can't ignore – and Willie Cauley-Stein, too. You can't ignore how these guys have been playing. Um, How do you pronounce that center's name or power forward's name they got from the Timberwolves? Oh, um, Bogdanovich? No, uh, Bialika. Yeah, uh, Nikolai Bielicha or, or, or Yeah, Bielicha. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it, Bielicha. Him and Bo- I even like Bogdanovich a lot, too. Yeah, Bogdanovich is um, nice. Mm-hmm. This year, that's what I'm saying. This year, he's a really nice like, little stretch in his career where he can shoot from outside, and he's, 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 he's a bad man this year. Yeah, and I even like how they brought in Shumpert, even though he's a veteran, but Shumpert's always been a nitty-gritty defensive yeah, kind of I've, grinder I've, player. I've, I've read an article on Reddit where it's like, dude – Shumps has been very good with these young guys, like instilling a, a, a defense-first culture, and really he he's been better than expected for the young guys and the process, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think Shumpert he teaches them that nitty grittiness. He kind of he's a veteran, you know, and I think he does a good job being a leader with his team and getting after it with them. Like he doesn't care if he's a starter or coming off the bench. He's gonna he's invested in these guys, and that's another thing too. When I watch the Hawks, like Vince Carter, Vince Carter always, no matter what's going on, we could be losing by thirty. He's up clapping, cheering on these young guys. He's got a smile on his face every single time there's a timeout. You see Vince Carter or Jeremy Lin talking to Trey Young or one of the assistant coaches. I think the Hawks are doing a really good job too with their player development and bringing in the guys they have, especially with Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin's the kind of guy, you know, he was literally went from sleeping on people's couches to a household name in a, in, in a two-week span. I mean, Jeremy Lin knows, you even listen to him in interviews, he says it's all about taking advantage of your opportunity. And he's trying to teach these young guys, look, you got an opportunity. You got to go out, bust your ass, and do every single thing you can and leave it all on the floor or else you might not have this opportunity again. He's trying to teach him that. I mean, even Justin Anderson, he plays. Justin Anderson is sprinting up and down the court for the Hawks. I think we have a really good culture with our team, as do these young teams. Um, I was kind of sleeping on Lloyd Pierce whenever they first brought him in. 
but mm-hmm. he slowly won me over. He seems like a really um, good players coach who is awesome with development. I yeah, like he seems like a good players coach. I feel like it, like I always see on Instagram, I follow pretty much every single player on the team on Instagram, including the coaches. And I feel like he's always with the guys cracking up and just doing whatever with the team. Also, John Collins, man, I mean, he came back from this injury and he's been tearing it up lately. He was hurt there for the first couple of games. I think he's finally gotten the swing of things in his um, let me pull the stat up here. All right, so it's ever so this month he has played four games, and in those four games he scored 24, 26, 30, and 20. He's had 11, 14, 12, and 17 rebounds. And in the last game he played last month, he had 19 and 11. So, I mean, John Collins right now is pretty much a walking double-double, and he's yep. scoring over 20 points. I mean, who knows? If he's hitting his stride like this, I'm a huge believer in John Collins. I think his jump shot's getting better, too. He seems to be shooting the three-point ball a little bit better. He hit three. He was three for six for three against the Nuggets, two for four against Washington. So, I mean, he's shooting the three-point ball a lot better. I think that John Collins could be a scary good big man for this Hawks team. I mean, imagine if we had him and Zion down there getting rebounds. I agree. John be, Collins is a fucking dog. Mm-hmm. He really is a dog. Uh, are there any, any topics you want to discuss here? Uh, did you see the new NBA jerseys earned? The earned jerseys? <laughs> yeah, you want to hear my take on these new jerseys? Yeah, I think they're kind of ugly. I think they look cool. I'm always a big fan of different jerseys from what they usually have. But my take on these earned jerseys is they're trying to convince teams not to tank and to push for the playoffs so they can get these cool new jerseys. Do yeah. I think it's going to change that? Fuck, you know, I don't yeah, think it's going to change anything. With, yeah, I don't think it's going to change anything with that. Teams are still going to go after Zion's and stuff like that. We're not going to get into the argument about tanking because I know me and you could be here for another yeah. hour discussing tanking. I was about to say, and, like, and, and you have to go to work tonight, so we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're not discussing tanking on here tonight. But, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to help with tanking, but that was my take on these new jerseys is that they're trying to stop tanking, and by putting these jerseys out for teams, that'll help. Yeah, um, that, there, there were two or three nice ones. I know the Cavaliers one was nice. If you haven't seen them yet, the NBA gave out these jerseys for t- all 16 playoff teams last year. And um, I know like the Jazz are going to wear theirs on Christmas Day. Um, I think there's three games that, that they're going to have the jerseys in on Christmas Day. Oh, three of the teams are going to wear those jerseys Christmas Day? Mm-hmm. Dang, that's pretty – yeah, I think they're slick. I really like the Bucks. I know the one, Jazz honestly. and the Trailblazers are. That, that's one yeah, of the they- games. Yeah, that, those jerseys look pretty similar. Um, based off all these matchups coming up here this weekend, which one are you looking forward to the most? I already know tonight I'm looking forward to the Thunder Nuggets. Yeah, Thunder Nuggets is going to be an awesome matchup. Um, I already have the YouTube TV queued up for that game. Got um, to. Kings Warriors tonight too, man. That's ooh, another good one. That's gonna be. A, where's that at? That's in Sacramento. They're at ooh. plus eight. I mean, dude, that's a lock. Yeah, the, the yeah the Sacramento crowd this year has even been pretty good. Um, I like that plus eight plus eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you see, Nick Young is now a member of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I did see that. I mean, the Nuggets. Well, let's let's talk a little bit here about the Nuggets. I mean, that was one of the most unfortunate things I've ever seen. They got to first place in the Western Conference. Then they already have Will Barton out. Then you see Gary Harris go down. He's out. I think the next four weeks. Jamal Murray left the game with an injury. Um, Paul Millsap broke his toe. He's out the next four or five weeks. And Jokic, they pretty much started the game out with two of their five starters, and they ended the game with only Jokic left, and they lost to the Hawks, which also pissed me off, too, because the Cavs won that night. The Hawks need to stop messing around winning these games. I mean, we're 6-21 and right now, but the Suns are 5. I believe they're 5-24 and after the win last night. And you, you just got to be bottom three, man. Mm-hmm. You know, 
even if you have the worst record, you could still end up with the fucking third pick. So just, just into the bottom three and all will be be okay. You'll have, yeah, a, see, you'll have a good chance. I stand by the statement that the NBA draft lottery is rigged. Is. I think it's rigged personally because, I mean, you can't tell me the ping pong balls just magically fall for the Cavs that many times in a row. They even yeah. wasted one of the picks on Anthony Bennett when I'm preaching yeah. they should take Otto Porter Jr. And the league still gave him another chance at Wiggins. They got it three out of four years in a row. They got that top pick. And, I mean, even that one year they got Kyrie, they still gave him Tristan Thompson. They gave him two top four picks, which is ridiculous. I was about to say. So, and it, it just goes to show how, how bad the Cavaliers franchise was with player development. Yeah, and the way I look at it is the Hawks, the NBA should throw the Hawks a bone here. The Hawks put money into their stadium. We got Quavo Honcho sitting courtside every single game. I mean, we we get Trey Young in there. We finally bring some hype into this team. The NBA needs to throw us a bone here. Give us the number one of the number two pick. I personally hope the Suns get the number one pick and get Zion because I want R.J. Barrett. I think him and Trey Young would be filthy in the backcourt. Then I'm hoping this Mavs pick can land us. I'm hoping we can... Somehow the Cavs pick goes out of the top 10 and we get this Mavs pick too. And we can combo those two picks and get Bull Bull as well. But, I mean, that probably won't happen. But, I mean, I would love to see something like that happen for us. Yeah, I, I know you would love Bull Bull. Fucking tallest guy out there just taking from three all the time. Yeah, Bull Bull, I mean, he has guard skills. I think Bull Bull realistically could end up being the best player in this draft. I mean, he's an absolute freak. To me, he's like Mo Bamba but way more well-rounded on the offensive end. He's like Mo Bamba that is like, he's like a more, yeah, pretty much what I just said, a well-rounded offensive version of Mo Bamba. So, I mean, I think, I think Bull Bulls is the next kind of Anthony Davis type player. I don't know if he'll be as elite defensively, but I think he could be better offensively than Davis is. But I mean, being better than Davis offensively, I mean, that's Davis already a beast on the offensive end. He's been going off lately. So, Yo, did you I mean, see uh, the other night DeAndre Jordan and Trey Young got hit with technicals for play fighting? Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. I didn't. I I blows my mind that that referee fell for that. You know, like you mm-hmm. can obviously tell they were laughing and joking. I get the heat of the moment in an NBA game. You got to be uh, vigilant or vigilant and in the moment. But God Almighty, mm-hmm. man! Like basketball is not like football. You know, like you don't have guys flowing with testosterone and being angry all the time. You know, like it's a pretty laid back sport when you, when, when you, in terms of the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And, for that. and that was a fun game to watch too, because Donkic and Young were going at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donkic at 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Trey Young on the other side of things, he had 24 points, 10 assists. This is a game where he was 11 for 10 from the field. So he also shot a good percentage as well. Weirdly enough, he didn't attempt any free throws in this game, which is kind of w- yeah. weird there to me. He needs to get more, but he had a positive plus minus, which is something you really like to see there. So I thought Trey Young played really well here in a matchup to me that was kind of big just to see him and Donkic go at it with each other. Both guys did did really well. That was a good game to watch in terms of the new talent of the NBA emerging. Mm-hmm. Same thing with last night when the uh, the Suns wore him out, even though D-Book didn't play. But yeah. I mean, the Suns were due when they had lost way too many times in a row. Yeah. Uh, would you would you buy or sell if the Nuggets get the number one seed? Nikola Jokic is an NBA MVP. Um, you, you you'd have to give me a stat line, but yeah, that would be a great setup for him to be NBA MVP. Like he's he all he he, he would, last year he was in the running for most improved player. You know, mm-hmm. like it, for a big man to possess these kind of and and to newly add to his repertoire this. 
new and improved offensive game, not just shooting, but in terms of flashy passing, getting guys involved and running offense from the high post. He's he's deadly, dude. Like this is this is one of the biggest jumps I've seen in someone's game. Jokic getting every all the other guys involved. Yeah, I mean it's crazy to think that he's eighth in the league right now in assists. I actually would. I'm a hundred percent in on this and Jokic winning MVP if the, somehow they are able to hang on to this number one seed. It's going to be tough with all the injuries the Nuggets have had. Also, game to watch for Sunday night. They play the Raptors. That's the number one seed. And if the Nuggets win tonight, that's the number one seed in both conferences playing each other. That would be a fun one to watch. Yep. Instead of watching the uh, Rams smack down the Eagles, I believe that game's on at 10. So, I mean, it's perfect time. By then, the Rams will be up by three scores, so you can go throw that one on the tube. But Jokic is second in the league right now in plus-minus. He is sixth in wins responsible for so, I mean, Jokic just put up the numbers he needs right he now. Is. I think he's a dog. He obvi- mm-hmm. And, I mean, you watch him play, he's not going to jump off the page or anything. He's not that flashy, but he is darn good. I mean, he goes and posts up at that at that high post and gets the ball, and he'll pick you apart passing. I mean, he averages – he nearly averages a triple-double right now. So, he's averaging 8.8 assists point per game, 9.4 rebounds, and 17.1 points per game. So, Jokic is definitely flying under the radar here. I think the Nuggets have flown under the radar a lot. Not on me and you's radar, but no, on the general public, not. I think they've fallen under the radar a lot. Mm, me too. Uh, anything specifically you want to talk about here? Um – I'm just scrolling. I think we've pretty much covered everything. I know Spencer Dimwitty got a three-year, thirty-four million dollar extension the other day, which is I love. I loved that deserved. contract. Yeah, mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie is another guy too. Bounced around a little bit at the beginning of his career in the league, but I thought he rightfully deserved it. And it was funny too about him getting the contract as he scored thirty-nine points the night before that on Philadelphia. That was a night where my uh, max play was the Nets, and they covered easily. They were plus eleven, and they won that game outright. But I mean, he bounced around a little bit. He played his first two years with the Nugget or with the uh, Pistons. Didn't really do much. Then he played with Brooklyn the next year. Only seven point three points per game. Not much. Last year, I think, was really his coming out party. He also won the Rising Stars con that uh, the one where the, you know what I'm talking about the one where they dribble through the obstacle course and pass the ball through the rings and make the layups. I forget what it's called, but he won that on All Star Saturday night. So I feel like that was a little coming out for him. I mean, he's only started three games this year, but Dinwiddie's averaging sixteen point nine points per game off the bench. I mean, I think Dennis. Schroeder's probably going to win sixth man of the year. Just oh, he, oh one, my God. Uh, absolutely a monster of a sixth man this year. Yeah, even, even, had to st- even had to start like whenever Westbrook wasn't back yet and played mm-hmm. really, really, really well. I think the change of scenery was great for Schroeder. Yeah, I th- I picked the Thunder to finish second in the West before the season started. Right now, I believe they're currently third. Yeah, they're third right now in the West by one game. I actually think, though, that they're not really built for playoff success. I think Westbrook disappears a little bit in the playoffs. Paul George, too, is playing really, really well. Some key stats here for Paul George is he's fifth in, or fourth in the league right now in steals per game. Um, he is third and plus minus right now. His win share as well is off the charts. I mean, Paul George is having one of his really good seasons. We'll see how much this continues for. My bad. He's actually first in the league in steals right now. He's got a top five win share as well. So I mean, Paul George is playing out of his mind right now, and that cannot be ignored. Nope. But do you think do you think Paul George can keep this up? I mean, he had like seven points in his last playoff game he played in. Um, I think I think Paul George made a very odd decision this year to stick around mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. He's second in win share, by the way. Um, I think that the chemistry between him and Russell Westbrook can only get better. I think that Westbrook really benefits from playing with a smart, calculated player like Paul George. 
Um, I can't speak for playoff time because you saw my Utah Jazz just completely dismantle this Oklahoma City team last year. So I think you could be right. This team could not be built for playoff success. But uh, to speak on Paul George's personal accolades and stats, yeah, I think he can keep this up. Yeah, I actually – I think he can, but I don't know if he can in the playoffs really. I mean, I thought Paul George made a smart decision to stay in Oklahoma City. That's where I said he fit best. I said all season long that I thought they should dump Melo and let him and Westbrook go as the one into the two. I felt like it's kind of like a Harden-Paul kind of thing. They play well together with one other star, not with two other stars. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like them two as being your two main stars – they play a lot better. The Thunder a lot deeper than they've been in the past this year, which uh, I think yeah, helps them a lot. Yes, yes. Like they're even getting good play out of Nerlens too. He had some monster blocks. That's yes, they were on. Yeah, they were on ESPN two nights ago against the Pelicans in a game where they missed a lot of shots that they could easily won the game on. But I think this Western Conference race is going to be fun, man. I'm really excited to watch how everything plays out. I mean, that last month of basketball is going to be must see TV. Mm-hmm. Pretty much right now in the Western Conference. Teams that are out of the playoffs right now, the Rockets, they have 13 wins and first place has 18 wins. So, I mean, there's not much room separating the it's top gonna dog from. Race, son. It's going to be a bloody battle. Mm-hmm. Rather than you go look over at the East, the Raptors have 23 wins and the Hawks and Bulls have six. So, yeah. there's a huge difference. <laughs> um, the last thing we'll talk about before we get out of here, I know you need to get to work. Um, Dirk Nowitzki made his NBA debut the other night, hit a few big um, shots, too. I believe he's the oldest tent player to ever play. I think he's played, what, 21 seasons in the league, all for the Mavericks. He's yeah. He set the NBA record last night by subbing in that game for the most seasons ever played with the same team. I personally, I applaud Dirk for still doing it because, you know, he loves the game that much. But at this point, why are you still doing it, Dirk? I feel like that he's got nothing to play for in Dallas. I personally don't think Dallas is a playoff team. I think they'll phase, fizzle out as the season goes along. So I just don't really know why Dirk's doing it. Me neither, and it's odd that it took it that, that he's so banged up and so old and bad in movement that it took him this long to to get out there this season. Um, this is definitely his last. Well, he also season. had, I think, ankle surgery in the off season. Yeah, and I mean, I I I'm kind of on 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 your side. There's no reason for him to do what he does. Just go enjoy retirement, man. You earned it. Like you literally beat a super team as the only star on your team. Like you deserve it. Yeah, and I mean, he only played six minutes last night, so I don't really know why he's still hanging around to play six minutes. I guess he's probably helping them a lot with player development and stuff, but I mean, Dirk's a legend in the NBA, and he always will be. If I were him, I would go ahead and try and get out of here. Before I let you go here, Cohen, what's one storyline you're really looking forward to this week that you think could have big implications? Um, I guess, honestly, I may go because at the beginning of the season, the Rockets may be so upset. I'm really anxious to see if the, Rock- and the, if the Rockets can keep up this good play and position them back in the playoffs this, this week. Jeez, you kind of stole mine right there. Um, this week? The, let me, I've got the schedule pulled up right here. All right, so they played the Grizzlies on, I believe that's Saturday. Is it 15th Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, Saturday they play, they're at, or at Memphis, then... We play your Jazz on Monday. Then Wednesday, they got the Wizards. Thursday, they're on TNT at the Heat. Saturday, they got San Antonio. So they got a lot of games this week. We'll definitely see what this team is, is made up of. Is that game on TV on Monday, our, 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 our teams, Rockets and Jazz? Yeah, that game is on TV. Um, it's on NBA TV. It. I'm down. What time does it start? Um, 8 o'clock. Damn, I get off at 8. All right, well, we can, we, we'll meet there. Yeah, yeah. we definitely got to do that. Cool. Uh, since you stole my storyline, my storyline will be 
I look for the Western Conference picture for some of these teams that aren't supposed to be in the playoffs to kind of start to lose some games and move down. And I look for these teams that are supposed to be in the playoffs to keep winning games and move up. We're going to see how the schedule plays out. Yeah, that's kind of an ongoing thing there. I think another thing that I'm kind of looking for – this week is this is the tank race as well to see these teams like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Bulls, the Suns to see how these teams keep losing and to see how they keep trying to tank it out. Yeah, and I expect in the next few weeks there's going to be more transactions that go on trades, pickups, cuts, all that other sort of mm-hmm. things. As the season plays out, we'll see who is really fitting with their with their respective teams. Yeah, because, I mean, if the Grizzlies really start to fall out of the playoff race, I could see them blowing it up completely because the Grizzlies give their pick to the Celtics if it's outside of the top eight. So, I mean, I don't really see them trying to tank and lose their pick here. So, I could see them blowing it up. I believe Gasol, anyway, is a free agent after the season's over. So, let let me look that up real quick. Mark Gasol contract. I believe, though, he's a free agent at the end of the season. I know they've paid all that money out to Conley, which was kind of stupid, but... Yeah, okay, so Gasol's got a player option next year, so this is the last year of his deal. So we'll see if they extend him to that $25 million player option or if they cut him loose. So it's going to be interesting. Gonna cut him loose for financial freedom. Yeah, I think they might trade him still. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for him. But I'll let you go, Cohen. It's been a pleasure as always. Thomas Penland, the man of the plan, the co-host with the most. Always love doing these association podcasts. Feel like we, me and you get smarter and better in terms of chemistry and how we like run our episodes every every week. Um, I'm gonna get these put on YouTube soon, so all the listeners will have a different way to watch them and listen to them. Um, great stuff today. I feel like we got through a lot of stuff on this episode. It's gonna be about 50 minutes long, which is five or 10 minutes longer than average of our normal episodes. So. Just want to say, great episode. I had fun. Good luck at work tonight, slinging those drinks. Hey, I appreciate it, Cohen. I got to say the same to you, man. I always enjoy doing it. The man whose uh, dad loves it more than LeVar Ball, the Johnny Sins of podcasting. Johnny Sins of podcasting. <laughs> the Michael Rappaport of the, the South. Pro- the professional devil's advocate. Yeah, he's got so many nicknames for himself. But, Cohen, I appreciate doing it with you once again, man. Shit, tell the people where to follow you at, where to find you at once again. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Cohen Hughes, or on Instagram, Cohen underscore Hughes. I'm on Reddit. I'm on other communities online. But I just don't do Twitter. It's my only thing. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3, at, on Instagram, at tpenland 23 Facebook, Thomas Penland. Y'all know the stuff. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Catch us next week. All right, guys, this has been episode four of the Association Podcast. We sincerely hope you enjoyed.